The Beatles are a pretty nice band, and we've got a lot to say. The Beatles are a pretty nice band, talk about them day after day. But we also love the outfit a lot, so are these songs better than your love? The Beatles are a pretty nice band, someday we'll judge if they're fine, oh yeah, someday we'll judge if they're fine. Free as a bird. Oh, wow, wow. And we're back. Speaking of... <laughs> <laughs> um, welcome to the Threedles era, everybody. Um, yeah. There was understandably a lot of hype for the first new Beatles song in 25 years. And I'm excited because I actually remember remember this, you know. No. We've been talking all this time about, you know, stuff that happened before we were born. And now here we are. Yeah. Um, what a time to be alive in 1995. The internet was... <sighs> Starting to be a thing. The Beatles are back. The Mets have Generation K. All is well. <laughs> That's going to go very well, I'm assuming. Well, one of them did okay. Yes, what one of them three did fine. Bad. Okay, Meatloaf. Oh. Mm. Uh... Yes, there was a lot of hype. So, anyway, there's no way Three's a Bird wasn't going to be a disappointment in some way. And I'll say, listening to it now, it still feels off. Like, you could tell it's John singing, but you have to listen with a more sensitive ear than usual to acknowledge that. Um, I do like the sound of Ringo's drums here, and when it's just Paul in the middle eight, it almost comes together. Uh, But not quite. I prefer John's solo performance, when it's just him and the piano. You can find that on YouTube. I think it's also on the Lennon Anthology record, but that's not on Spotify at the moment, for whatever reason. Um, anyway, it seems more befitting to Free as a Bird, like just one person singing it, I think. Um, still, no matter what it was, there was no chance it was going to be popular, considering the huge buildup. Yeah, the hype is going to swallow this, you know, wholesale here. So, you know... There's also, like, no point in really comparing it to the original work. Just, like, enjoy that it's here and be like, hey, isn't this nice? <laughs> um, so, like, of course, like, I like the idea of them coming together to finish John's song. Um, but it's, like, the idea of it is better than the execution. Like, the whole thing feels very uh, lined up for me. Like Jeff Lynne produced the song. Mm-hmm. You can tell Jeff Lynne produced the song <laughs> because his fingerprints are just like literally all over it. I understand. Like we're going to get into like the reason that he was there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, looking at it with a little bit of hindsight, like let's say, let's say the Beatles, like all four of them were, were alive and well in 1995. Mm-hmm. This, they probably would have hired Jeff Lynne as the producer then too. Like this probably would have been the direction they would have gone to in the nineties or late eighties. Cause that's what all of their contemporaries did. Mm-hmm. It's just what you did. Um, that say, that said, uh, it just kind of feels a little dated, uh, with their, like with an expensive nineties sheen. Um, I disagree with you with Ringo's drums. I really dislike the thud of his snare. Hmm. Like it sounds very unnatural and like slightly too long of a ring. Like it feels like they they replaced the actual re- like recording of the snare with a trigger, hmm. which is often the case like with kick drums and like people just 
like resample that like we'll sa- put just a drum sample instead and that's kind of what it sounds like to me i don't know if they actually did that it just feels very unnatural um it's no way as is no way as bad as the saint anger snare but you know that's a whole other oh sure <laughs> that's a whole other story i actually do i know immediately what you were talking about yeah, yeah thank you um but overall it's like it's nice that they were able to come together uh, and put their spin over, <laughs> you know, over John's demo. And, you know, as we're about to hear, like, they had a pretty good time doing that. And that's that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because Ringo's lifestyle is his death style. Or the other way around. <laughs> you don't remember that lyric from Sick? No. Oh, okay. Oh, come on. That's a classic. <laughs> very. I, I have to admit, like, I'm not a... Like I don't dislike Metallica. It's just like not my thing. But like I, I, I know the I know the drum sound very well from Saint Anger because sure. it's it's just infamous. Like ever, I feel like almost everyone knows it, and it's like I have to hear that. Like there's been some really poorly recorded snares over the years, and that's man. So what do you mean by trigger? Is it, was it the sound that like at the beginning of the song? like that it's the same sound every time there's no differentiation between like a smaller hit or a like a longer like like there's it just it sounds fake okay. is more what i'm saying so like for example like the most often thing that gets replaced on a on modern recordings is is like the kick drum mm-hmm. where it's like oh this isn't beefy enough this isn't meaty enough so every time that the the kick drum comes in it's also going to trigger an additional sound that we're then gonna un that we're gonna mix in with that um with that uh with the original or replace the original kick drum um that happens all the time so it wouldn't surprise me if they did that with the snare drum being like oh we don't like the way that sounds or like jeff lynn's going for an effect because they kind of i mean they they all trusted him i mean mm-hmm. especially george like george had been a, his bandmate for for years um but i can't imagine him like replacing ringo with a computer even if it is the 1995 you know Sure, I'm not saying that it was wholesale replaced, but it just something about like it could have been his snare, and then they just like you know put that in strategically in every place where there was a hit, or if it was like slightly yeah. off, moved it. That I mean, quanti- I think they call it like quantization, which is kind of what they had to actually do at John's demo to put it like in time, like to a click, mm. to you know arrange it and try to. I mean, Basically, a lot of editing was done here on this song. Yeah, yeah, which yeah, which you you're saying it was unnecessary when it, Lynn already had his work cut out for him, trying to you know clean up not, John's demo from the late seventies. So correct, and I'm not saying that like I think there's a lot of there's a lot of room to overthink something like this mm-hmm. because of the hype. Mm-hmm. Like you can really overthink like these kinds of decisions. And on this song especially, it feels like that was done. Okay. Um, so, yeah, the anthology rollout was huge. Uh, there was, of course, the three-CD uh, set. Um, there was the documentary. And this huge-ass <clears throat> Beatles book 
Beals and Thumbs. Whoa! Yeah. Oh, at, wow, look at that. It is huge, right? Um, that is big, man. It is strange. It, it's surprisingly, it's only 360 some odd pages. But, I mean, the pages it's a are textbook. so huge. Yeah, it's a it's, it's really literally pretty. like a school textbook. It is really pretty. Uh, they should teach oh, this at schools, so, though, the Beatles story. Right, so I accidentally stole the book. Um, I've had it since 2002. I borrowed it 21 years ago from uh, the mother of my friend Sarah Tyne, and I just forgot to ever return it. Uh, oh, my yeah. God. Whoops. Um, straight, I, for some reason, like I talked to Sarah a year or so ago, and I brought that up, and she said, you know, it's okay. So I, I, please don't call the cops on me or uh, <laughs> Mr. Bookman or whoever. Uh, so, yeah, I still, I still have it. It's not in the best condition, but um, it's just the covers, all that stuff. Um, and as far as the anthology, I remember watching it on what was christened at the time A Beatles C uh, <laughs> in three parts. Uh, they did promos. They're, they're, some of them are on YouTube. Uh, they asked ABC personalities what their favorite Beatles song was. El DeGeneres said, Baby, You Could Drive My Car, which drove me nuts. Because even then, I hate when people uh, don't get the title right. They just say the lyric. And I, even back then, I'm like, I bet she hangs out with war criminals. Um, <laughs> Bob Saget weirdly said, Fixing a Hole, which I found interesting. I would, would like yes. to know, collabor- uh, elaborate on that. Um yeah. Patricia Richardson, who played Tim Allen's wife at Home Improvement, said "In My Life," and uh, that I think that was the best, the best answer there. Um, what was Tim Allen's paperback writer? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it showed him and Richard Ka- uh, Richard Carn rock it out. Uh, anyway. Huh. <laughs> um, and so. The, the 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 criticism of anthology was that it more or less didn't talk much about the spouses of the Beatles, didn't come up too much, um, and um, the, the big hype though of, of the documentary was at the end of part one was the world premiere of Free as a Bird, and then the world premiere of Real Love for the second one, and the third one was supposed to be Now and Then, but they never got around to recording it for reasons we'll get into. Um, so yeah, Jeff Lynn, uh, who is credited with harmony vocals and guitar on this song, um, mm. he the is fifth Beatle. Apparently, there's so many fifth Beatles. <laughs> I know he's the newest fifth Beatle. Apu no has to be and you know. Um, of course, yes. So Lynn, uh, if you try to remember where Jeff Lynn came from in the universe, he's the ELO guy, Electric Light Orchestra. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was a traveling Wilbury with George, so that's how yes. George knows him. Um, and he produced um, a couple. Only did he only do one of George's albums? Um, I don't know. Okay, I know he did. Um, he did Cloud Nine though. Okay. Um, and that was his. That's the last album, maybe. Brainwash was the last one. Posthumously, 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 yeah, posthumously, uh, posthumously. Yeah. So, so "Free as a Bird" was a 1977 demo recorded by John 
Uh, it was originally a simple piano demo recorded by Lennon in, in the Dakota. It was never completed in the studio. It was a number of songs he taped on cassette during his house husband period, his word, between 1975 and 1980. In subsequent years, the anthology slowly gathered pace. I believe Neil Aspinall was originally tasked to put clips together in like the 70s. So this is how long the project has been taking place. Just hitting like, yeah. Um Paul, George, and Ringo were considering recording some incidental music as a trio. The idea was discarded in favor of new songs, but agreed they could only reunite musically as the Beatles if Lennon was on the recording. True. George Harrison and Neil Aspinall are believed to have made the initial approach to Yoko Ono, suggesting the remaining Beatles add new instrumentation to unfinished recordings by Lennon. On January 19, 1994, Yoko met Paul McCartney in New York for Lennon's posthumous induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Paul presented the award, which was accepted by Yoko on John Lennon's behalf. That night, Ono gave him cassette tapes containing Free as a Bird, Real Love, Grow Old with Me, and Now and Then. The occasion marked a reconciliation between the pair, whose relationship had been often tainted by animosity over the years. Um, so what I remember and bred is that Grow Old With Me, George Harrison was like, well, we can't record this. This is for Yoko. This is really private. You know, it's personal. Mm-hmm. And now and then, um, according to Paul, um, he without naming the t- t- saying it was now and then, he said there was a song that George was like, eh. And he's like, but John wrote it. And he's like, eh. Um, and you could hear they um, Apple scrubbed most of the now and then demos off of YouTube, but you can you can find it, and it's it's a slow bell, and you know it's I kind of see where George Harrison was coming from there. Um, well, I think we're probably gonna hear it sooner rather than later. Yes, probably. Mm-hmm. Now that George is out of the way. Ouch! <laughs> Jeez, too soon. <laughs> Uh, before recording could take place, the demo had to be digitally cleaned up and synchronized to a click track, as John Lennon's timekeeping was typically erratic. Boom, zing. Mm. Mm. It was transferred to a 48-track analog multi-track, which was done at George Harrison's suggestion at producer Jeff Lynn's Hollywood studio. And um, the f- so George Harrison, the f- what I remember reading, um, particularly in the book Peter Doggett's You G- Never Give Me Your Money, which is about all about the Beatles' breakup and what happened to them, after that, um, George Harrison, basically, he had was having financial difficulties, and that's why he finally agreed to the anthology. And, um, but still, he just did not want Paul to take charge again. Uh, yeah. So he put his foot down to have Jeff Lynn be the producer. And also, George Martin declined to work on the song anyway. He claimed his hearing was no longer up for the job. Even though he later was he was the producer and director of the anthology project, and he co-produced the Love album in 2006 with his son Giles, so I don't know what was going on there. Well, um, I think you know, being part of the anthology project or being the director thereof, like I'm sure he could still hear, but like you know, probably didn't have the ear for just like the minutia of you know. 25 years of anticipation mm-hmm. of the new Beatles song. He's like, I want no part in this. Kid. 
No. Oh, my. What? Who said that? I, I can't hear you. <laughs> so our friend Jeff Emmerich was involved. He was engineering. So that was nice. He was mixing. Mixing mm-hmm. a whole. Bring, getting, the, getting the band back together, as it were. Mm-hmm. Paul McCartney said that he told George and Ringo to pretend that John was away on holiday and we were, they were finishing up work for him. And Ringo said that was a good idea. That, that helped them. Uh, with the awkwardness. McCartney re-recorded Lennon's vocals for the middle eight. Lennon's demo contained just the words, whatever happened to the life that we once knew. Possibly inspired by whatever happened to the boy that I once knew from the Shangri-La's 1964 hit, Remember Walking in the Sand. Good song. Good band. McCartney added the remaining lines in place of Lennon's ad-libbing, and Paul explains that John was just looking for words and he would have gotten to them eventually. Whatever. Uh, the studio equipment was mostly analog to make the recording as authentic as possible and to make things much harder for Jeff Lynn. While hmm. McCartney used a, a wall five-string bass instead of his trademark Hofner violin instrument, Starr used his original Ludwig drum kit. Harrison played two Fender Stratocasters, and both he and Paul McCartney added acoustic guitars. McCartney also used an Oberheim OBX8 analog synth. Uh, the Beatles overdubs of production were recorded between February and March 1994 in Sussex, England, at McCartney's home studio. So Paul at least got to do it in his home studio. <clears throat> it ends with a slight coda, including a strummed ukulele by George Harrison, an instrument he was known to have played often, and the voice of John Lennon saying, Turn down nice again, played backwards. The final result sounds like made by John Lennon, which according to McCartney was unintentional. It was only discovered after the surviving Beatles reviewed the final mix. Creepy. Very weird. Free as a beard. Free as a beard. <laughs> Free as a beard. <laughs> had its premiere on BBC Radio 1 on the morning of November 20th, 1995. But really, I think the night before on ABC, what it aired, part one of the anthology, it was the premiere, or maybe because of the time difference. It was roughly the same time. Um... It was released on the Anthology 1 album the following day and as a single on the 4th of December. Uh, Freeze the Bird was the first new recording released by the Beatles since The Long and Winding Road in 1970. It received mixed reviews, with many commentators <laughs> judging it a pale imitation of their 1960s work. Uh, Andy Gill of The Independent called the song disappointingly low-key. George's guitar weeps gently enough when required, but the overall effect is of a dirge. And Ian McDonald called it a dreary song that stood no comparison with the Beatles' 60s music. Mm-hmm. In the UK, the single sold 120,000 copies in its first week, entering the UK singles chart at number two. It remained in the charts for eight weeks, but was kept off the top spot by Michael Jackson's Earth Song. <laughs> Once again, Jacko gets one over Paul McCartney. Jesus, he's always, that's pretty funny. He's always one step ahead. Oh my gosh! Speaking of anthology, like uh, I I've heard rumors that they're like remastering it or like recutting it or something like maybe for Disney Plus coming soon. I've never seen anthology, so I'm hoping that that's the you know hoping that's that's the case because I'd love to you know. Love I to don't. Watch me see I don't. Beatles. I'm not sure that's true because uh, of course you're a liar and. Uh... <laughs> now um <laughs> because they're on youtube and they haven't scrubbed it from youtube yet uh fair enough yeah i heard it i've heard that it like it's a rumor that it's coming so i mean it might eventually sure that's i mean, I mean they're gonna do. i mean 
they're gonna milk that cow for all it's worth. Oh that's, yeah, that's the Disney Plus way. Oh baby, love count zero. <laughs> it was the seventies. Uh, no, there. What happened to the love that we once knew? Oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Whatever happened to the love? Oh boy, let me let me fix that. Um, let's see. Huh. I apologize. Shows me what you think of this song, Roger. Ooh. Hey, huh. hey, leave me alone. No, <laughs> I, I I just I'll, while while you're looking that up, I will also say that it, it's a slow song. It, I agree that it's it's a bit of a dirge, and like considering the source material and like the the circumstance circumstances surrounding it, it does feel a bit funereal. Um, you know. Okay, so in it, on Genius, it says whatever happened to the life that we once knew. Oh, okay. So in your so, uh, egg you, on sir. my face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no love at all here, baby. <gasps> Shit. All right. Josie scale Hopefully. is this song better than you a little bit? I I am afraid not. I'm gonna give this a Josie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's a Josie. <laughs> the Beatles are a pretty nice band. Talk about them day after day. But we also love the outfield a lot. So are these songs better than your love? The Beatles are a pretty nice band. Someday we'll judge if they're fine. Oh yeah. Someday we'll judge if they're fine. 